this is Tracy. And this is Sheila. And we are his Wi-Fi Checks. And we've been gone for so long. It's we apologize. It's been over a year. We're so shamed. And we it's have... been a busy year. It has. And we have tried to record. We've just had a couple episodes that did not come out well at all. They, You couldn't even really hear us in them. There were some serious technical issues. So it's not that we haven't been thinking about you, our dear listeners. It's just... It hasn't worked out. It's, it's us. It's not you. Yes. So, so we have a whole lot to catch up on. And then... Um, Hopefully we'll be back in a more timely fashion. So, so we're coming to you from Church on Church. We just came from Goo, the Izakiah on Church. But first of all, we're going to talk about Buster Rhinos, who is long due. Overdue. Way overdue we're for gonna, an episode. We're going to time travel. Yes. We're going to go back to almost a year ago when we tried. This is actually, I think, the third time we've tried to record the episode about the Buster Rhino's milkshake tasting menu. How sad is that? We did record it, but it ended up... The first time it was, something was wrong there with was the There was like recording. a technical difficulty yeah. and you couldn't really hear us. And then the second time we recorded it, just the magic wasn't there. And it was also another technical difficulty with mm-hmm. background noise. But we're going to give it a third try. Third try is a charm. So, Buster Rhino's, it is an anagram for Southern Style Ribs, or Southern Ribs. Correct. And it is a chain of barbecue restaurants in the Durham region area. The fellow who owns it, Daryl, he comes from Southern American barbecue stock. Yeah. He's actually, he's from Oshawa, Mm -hmm. but he married into an American family that is into Southern style barbecue. Mm -hmm. They they, they compete nationally, actually, and they win a lot. So he started doing his his ribs up north, or his barbecue up north. He was on Dragon's Den. You can Mm -hmm. go back and review that on YouTube. And he did open up a restaurant downtown in Oshawa, as well as one up on Taunton and Simcoe in Oshawa. And besides being just an absolute barbecue genius, he's really into doing some different stuff. One of which was the milkshake menu last year. Correct. So Daryl doesn't mess around when it comes to milkshakes. These are, oh, they were amazing. We were so full of milkshake we could barely eat. Yeah. So that's always a good time. And he set up a menu of five boozy milkshake tastings that he paired courses with, which usually you see at like a nicer restaurant or a more high-class restaurant. We were doing this at a barbecue joint, which was kind of a unique experience in of of itself. Mm -hmm. Some of the dishes he paired everything with were just one-offs for the night. Some of them were regular ones that are on the rotation in the menu. So... Because that was the first time that we had the Philly cheesesteak barbecue. Yes. We like Philly cheesesteak brisket. Brisket, yes. yes. And you don't see that on the menu all the time. Now, unfortunately, the details of this tasting are long lost to time, bad memory, and excessive booze consumption. But we'll try to give you the highlights of it. And give you the basics. Yeah, what, because I remember was. there was one that was very, very malty that you enjoyed. I think it had Knob Creek in it, but I'm not oh, no, positively that, certain. That was the one with the, um, the Neustadt... Um, the Neustadt Brown Ale? Yeah, no, Neustadt W40. It's a take on WD40, yeah. the name of the beer, and it is an Ontario brew. And he mixed that with actual malt and chocolate, and it tasted like a malty chocolate milkshake we used to get at the sandwich place that my dad used to take me to as a kid, Johnny's. Right. I mean, it was just like that, but it had booze in it, which made it even better as far as I was concerned. There was a creamsicle one that ended up having a Belgian-style beer in it. It was a, a wheat beer, yeah. Yeah, and I can't recall the name of mm-hmm. it, but it had orange in it as well. It yeah. was delicious. And what we both appreciated about both of those is usually when you think a boozy milkshake, you think they're just going to throw whiskey or vodka or rum into a milkshake and away you go. And these ones, he actually put beer into them, and they came out just as good, if not better, mm-hmm. as if he'd used it for a liquor base. So that was really neat. There was the pecan pie one. Was that the one with the Knob Creek whiskey in it? I believe think so. So, so yes. Knob Creek bourbon, and it was like a pecan pie. Literally, 
he actually baked a pie and threw it into a blender oh, that, with vanilla ice cream. That was the he, apple pie. He also did an apple, apple pie, pie and one he did the too, same thing, yeah. where he did the same thing, where he had baked an apple pie and threw that into the yeah. blender with ice cream. And as we're going through this tasting menu, we bought tickets for it, and we're there, and he's talking you through every drink and every dish. And he gets to the apple pie one. He says, okay, we started this one with some vanilla ice cream, and we baked an apple pie, and we threw half of it into the blender. And everyone just kind of turns and looks down like, what? Oh, well, that's why it tastes like apple pie. Because you could literally mm-hmm. get pieces of crust in it. It was mm-hmm. delicious. It was fantastic. And that was, I think, the second time we had ever been to Buster Rhino's. We had been there once before. We had had the pulled pork and the brisket, and it was really good. And after that, we started going there a little more often. The prices are fantastic. The food's amazing. He does brisket ribs, smoked wings, chicken fingers, crazy awesome brisket and pulled pork poutine. And then he decided to up the ante. I, I swear he sat around and said, how can we get more money from these girls and their friends? <laughs> and he started doing something called a tap takeover. And that's when my wallet belonged to Buster Rhinos. I know. I, I think we're at least there weekly. So mm-hmm. the tap takeover's a great idea from Daryl. He didn't want to have a place where you could get Coors Light or anything like that. He wanted to really feature the Ontario craft beers. So he ended up having different breweries come in all through the past, what, six months? Oh, the past year almost, because it started uh, at the beginning of the summer was the first one. And let's see if we can actually go through all the ones that have been there. Oh, <laughs> I, can't call, I can't count them all. But we had some really good favorites. And by the way, a tap takeover is when he invites these breweries in. And they come in and literally take over all of the taps in his restaurants with their beers. And, and he tells them... They sometimes even bring extra. Like, they'll mm-hmm. bring different little casks as well. Yeah, and they'll bring their own little um, travel brew systems or dispensary systems so they can get these ones out. But he also tells them when they come in for these, you can bring, you know, some of your big ones, some of your good ones, but bring me something that's a one-off. It's only for this particular event. Mm-hmm. So you're getting not just awesome beer these guys already make. You're getting something that's like their creative, like jazz version of a beer which is really cool too and you get some small scale beers too that like little experimental ones or the intern beer from Bose, which was awesome we'll talk about that in a minute though but let's see if we can do the uh, musketeer roll so call here i know for sure and these these are in no particular order um i know amsterdam's been there i know mill street's been there i know that Bose and church key brewery and iron spike and five paddles five paddles five paddles and how can you forget them? One of my favorite breweries ever. I'm making flying motions for her. Flying monkeys? Yes! They were one of the first ones. So we can count at least seven. There have been more since then. We did miss a couple. One of our friends, uh, John, he has been to every single one. He's the Gold Star member. He is. If there's like a merit badge for making it to tap takeovers, I think John's earned it. So he's, he's uh, devoted. He's very devoted. Very to devoted. It. But it's, it's a fantastic deal. Usually you buy a ticket in advance and you get a flight of beer. It's about five beers to sample. And they come in four-ounce glasses, and mm-hmm. there's always tasting notes with them. And it's always a nice selection of different beers to try. In addition to the, the ones they have on the flight, there's always one or two extra that you can uh, you can get a pint over, buy a little sample over, that kind yeah. of thing. The tickets were twelve fifty usually? 12 to 17 usually. Yep. And then also, oh, Black Oak was there Black too. Oak. They did the uh, Seven Deadly Pins where they brought all cask ales. Mm-hmm. Which was so cool to see. Yes. Because they had these little miniature casks all set up along the bar at Buster Rhino. So there were seven of these little miniature wooden casks. Mm-hmm. It looked like a bunch of hobbits had broken in and set up like a beer festival. We're taking over. It was, it was great. It was really cool. <laughs> so he's planning on doing some more for June, so we'll definitely keep you updated yes. on that. Yes, very um, very excited about Buster Rhinos. We have never had bad food there. We've never had bad service. Daryl is a joy to talk to. His staff is amazing. And he Sarah's does, amazing. Sarah's amazing. 
and he does switch up the menu on a very regular basis. He'll throw a couple new things on here and there. We should probably talk about the food a little more in oh, depth. Oh, my word. So if you're going to go in there and you're going to be having a beer drinking night, definitely order some of the pop caps for an appetizer. Yes. It's deep fried jalapenos. They're delicious and hot and salty, and they go perfectly with a cold, nice beer. Yeah, it's a great munchie. He does the best hush puppies I've had since I left the States. The only hush puppies I've had since I left the States, and they're amazing. He does great cornbread. Mm -hmm. His french fries taste like chip truck fries, to be honest. They're fantastic, too. His brisket is probably the best I think either one of us have ever had anywhere. His pulled pork is amazing. Um, The chicken fingers. (laughs) They're like adult-style chicken fingers, so they're marinated in buttermilk Mm -hmm. and then lightly battered and deep fried. They're delicious. With some uh, really good herbs in them, and he serves them Mm -hmm. with a side of um, homemade dipping sauce. So it's something a kid would happily eat, but it's something that you can have as an adult and sit there and say, wow, I wish chicken fingers would taste like this when my parents used to drag me to Applebee's as a kid. (laughs) It was really good stuff. Um, His brownies are, they're just downright scary. They're not like, when you, most people think brownie, they think this ooey, gooey, chewy, chocolatey mess. His brownies are a little bit they're drier denser. and denser, but they're fantastic. And the best part about the way his brownies are is you have that with a scoop of ice cream on top, and the ice cream starts to melt into it, and it becomes this perfect medley of creamy and chocolate. And mm-hmm. They're not overly sweet either, which is really nice, because my sweet tooth seems to be disappearing a lot. So. They also do... Uh, pecan pie, really big cookies. Mm-hmm. So they've got a couple of different desserts to pick from. And he has a kid's menu. His prices are fantastic. You're going to look at, if you don't have any beer, you're going to look between like 7 and $11 per person. More if you get like ribs or that kind of thing. You can go up to 20 a person. And you want to make sure you follow them on Facebook or Twitter because there's different specials that they do. And then they also have pint and pounds and things like that throughout the week. Best pint and pound in Durham region. I don't remember the price, but I know when you it's get the 11, pint and I pound, thought. it's about 11 or 12 but when you get it, you're not getting a crap beer with it. You're getting a premium Ontario beer, which most places, when you go and get a pint and a pound, they give you Molson or Canadian. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not usually something you really want to drink if you're kind of a beer snob, and we are. I've just embraced it. Yes, you've given <laughs> into the dark side of the barley, I guess. That's okay. We love you for it. And he also rotates his regular brews um, all the time. He doesn't keep the same stuff on tap. So you go down there one week, and you're going to see different stuff on the chalkboard if you go down two weeks later. So if you're in the GTA and you're into the beer stuff or beer scene, you really want to start checking in with him on a pretty regular basis to catch what's going on in the Ontario brewing scene. So highly recommended. It's the best place to go if you're north of Toronto right now. If you've heard our Intemperate History of Canada episode, and we talked about the local, the pub of the community, this is our local. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but... They've become our local. Good food, good yeah. prices, fantastic beer, can't beat it. Because you think that whenever you go to like a local pub, it's going to be a British style, mm-hmm. but this is Canadian barbecue with craft beer. And I love it's the amazing. irony of like the American undertones to it. Correct. You know, just like me, American undertones. So, moving on. Now that we've finally recorded our love song to Buster Rhino, so it is totally overdue. <sighs> the food festival this year. We did make it to the 2013 Toronto wine, uh, Gourmet Wine and Food Festival. And it was a blur of food and beer and just awesomeness. First thing that really surprised us is the last couple years we went, we did a lot of wine. Yes. Tried a lot of hard liquors, new stuff, that kind of thing. This year we did almost all beer to us. Yeah, it was almost exclusively beer. Yeah. And we did a lot of food. There was way more food here this year than there was last year. Yeah. Which was great because that means I could drink more beer. 
Yes, because, you know, more food <laughs> means you can consume more beer. Don't ask about our logic. It works out in our brain after well, a few it more beers. Well, it a little bit so you can keep drinking. Exactly. Um, same deal as always. You know, tickets were under 20 bucks a person. We recommend checking out the, uh, if you're going to go next year, check out the LCBO. They usually have flyers out with uh, codes for a couple dollars off. You can buy your tickets ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Print them out, take them to the gate. They scan your writing. You don't have to wait as long. We, we buy... typically spend $80 for both of us. Mm-hmm. That's $40 in tickets per person, and we don't deny ourselves anything. And it's a good time. So you want to budget between 30 and 50 per person, really, depending what you like, what you want to do. Um, it's definitely a sampling kind of place. Don't go on a completely empty stomach because you'll run into trouble if you're a drinker really early on. Have a light breakfast. I suggest like a breakfast sandwich or something. Or Yeah, learn from our mistakes of the past. Don't show up with an empty stomach. It gets ugly very quickly. Yeah. So, but half an hour later, you're like, wow, I'm smashed. Mm-hmm. But it's a great place to check out some new Ontario beers. It's a great place to check out all kinds of different wines. If you're mm-hmm. into wine and you're in the Toronto area, this is the place to go to explore new things and see what uh, some of the local places are doing as well. Is even international. They have country booze there. They have yeah. like the Portugal booth, which is huge. And they have, you know, the Spanish booth, that kind of thing. Now, we did not do a Tudor tasting this year. That was the only letdown. They we were going to actually do one of the Tudor tastings from the Thirsty Traveler, but the tickets sold out so fast, yeah. we didn't even get a chance to buy them. Yeah, once I saw they had them, they were already gone, and nothing else really looked good. They didn't have a, a scotch tasting this year on the Tudor tastings. They didn't do a, uh, they had a sake tasting last year that yeah. wasn't there this year, because that was the one we were going to go to. I wonder if that's because the fellow that did the scotch tasting at Trinity for Robbie Burns mm-hmm. wasn't there. Maybe. And he's, he couldn't he's make one it. of the only licensed sake tasting leaders in Ontario. So that might be, if he wasn't available because of a conflict yeah. of schedule, that's maybe why they didn't yeah. have the sake or the scotch tasting. Because he is like a, a sake sommelier, pretty much. So Correct. that may be why they didn't have it this year. It was a little disappointing because we had planned for that. So in place of that, we did one of the mini tastings that they run throughout the show where you pay like five tickets. And we did one with the fellow who runs the Niagara College Brewing Program. And this is so cool. I think his first name was Brian. I, I will look it up and put it up um, on Facebook for people to find. Wow, we're so unprepared for this. Usually we're so much more prepared. <laughs> Our apologies, dear listeners. It's been a year. We're rusty. But uh, Niagara College runs the only actual college brewing program in the world. They sat back and said, wow, where are we going to get our next generation of brewers from? Because nobody trains them unless it's on the job. And they decided, because they do a really good culinary program and vintner program, they said, let's go ahead and put together a brewing program. And they brought with them student-made beers for a tasting, and they went down through the basics of beer. And then after, as we were doing the tasting, he started to pimp what else the students do, and they do this really neat concept, but it's like a competition between the um, the vintner students. That's the right word, right? Vintner Correct. students? Yeah. yeah. The, the students that make the wines and mm-hmm. the students that make the beers. Yes. So the vintner and the brewing students, and it's called Caps and Corks. Yes. Culinary students actually make this menu and the brewing students and the vintner students create a beer tasting menu and a wine tasting menu to go with it. Mm-hmm. And then you vote on each course by either throwing in the cap or throwing in the cork. Yes. And that's which one you think was paired best. So you're not really voting on the food so much as you're voting on how the alcohol went with it. Correct. And it's such a cool concept. You buy a ticket for it. If you go check out Niagara College's website, you can find out their schedule when they do these and get in on it. We have not made it to one yet. I anticipate before 2014 is over, we're going to make it to something down there because the beers that he brought with them from the students were pretty freaking awesome. They were amazing. Yeah. The student-made beers, I think, were actually better than some of the regular-made beers. Mm-hmm. 
and the regular made beers were great. Yeah. It's just the student made ones because they were in small batches. They could the do special a little bit more ones. Yeah. experimental stuff. Exactly. I, I would love to see Niagara College do a tap takeover at Buster Rhinos. So, Daryl, if you're ever listening to this, definitely explore that option and see if you could get something going on. Maybe like a spring graduation final exam tap takeover or something some year because that would if be not this so year, cool maybe next year yeah that would be so cool to see mm-hmm. yeah the, the wine and food festival again totally worth the money definitely check it out if you're in the area i can't speak highly enough of it this was our third year going yeah. it's traditionally our christmas gift to each other because we're both foodies we both are variety junkies so we mm-hmm. love trying new things so each year for christmas we'll just do we do that do that yeah, yeah. So one of the highlights for us, besides the awesome Niagara College uh, tasting, was a restaurant we'd heard a lot about was at the Wine and Food Festival, and we finally got to try some of their food. Now, did we actually do a recording of the Saki Festival? We did talk, yes, we did talk about the Saki Festival, and we also talked about this particular kind of restaurant style in the... um, In the Oishimbo Oishimbo manga series? Yes. Correct. So you can go back and review that, and there's some homework for you. Right, so what we're talking about is Goo Izakaya, and there's two locations in Toronto. We just went to the one, uh, the Goo Izakaya on Church, mm-hmm. which is one... kind of in the gay district. And yeah. the other one's, I think, more downtown. It's Yes, on Bloor. And the one on Bloor is not called an Izakaya, it's called, I want to say a sake Saka bar? Restu- sake, sake bar? Sake bar? Yeah. And this one's actually called an Izakaya. And Izakaya is, is a Japanese word for pub, it's Japanese pretty for much. Pub, correct. Yeah. That's where you go, you get some delicious eats, you get some great drinks, and you go and you party with your coworkers mm-hmm. after work. In North America, when we go to a pub, we go and we get wings and we get some fries, or if you're in Canada, you get some poutine, which the rest of North America really needs to clue in on that poutine is a perfect pub food. Correct. When you go to Japan, you get the Japanese version of pub foods. You're going to have sake or beer, and you're going to get... Um, some fried pork, you're going to get edamame, you're going to get a whole bunch of other different There's Japanese foods. a bunch foods. of grilled delicacies that are really good. Mm-hmm. So it, um, Goo tries to recreate this experience, and they do it fantastically well. By the way, Goo is spelled G-U-U, not G-O-O. But you say Goo. Goo. And they do a lot of wordplay with their advertisements. Yes. And there's also a great, um, it's a Munchies episode from Vice. I'll link it in the description. And they did a little video of the owner of Goo, or at least the guy that's running it, and a couple of the staff going out and drinking and talking about life in Japan and how they go out and drink with coworkers and what you eat when you're drinking mm-hmm. to facilitate not having a hangover. Yes. And if you've never checked out some of the Vice uh, stuff on, is that on YouTube? Mm-hmm. It's some really neat stuff to check out, really neat little mini documentaries. There's even a Vice podcast. Correct. That I've been listening to bits and pieces of, and I really enjoyed it as well. As well, very well made stuff. So, if you're the kind of person who listens to our podcast, I, I can guarantee you're really going to like what they put out as well. So, goo. Um, when you go, you're going to order small dishes. It's kind of like tapas. We need to set this up. Oh, okay. When you go, you better be ready for some excitement. <laughs> it is Otherwise, loud. if you have heart conditions or you're pregnant and you're of delicate condition, you may not want to go. <laughs> as soon as or at you least walk prepare in. yourself for this. As soon as you walk in, they greet you and yell something at you in Japanese. I almost peed. <laughs> oh, we should also explain. <laughs> we have a, a silent listener here with us tonight. This is one of our friends. Okay, we'll say your name. Sure. This is one of our friends, Jane. We took her with us to Goo tonight, kind of as a, a birthday thing. Correct. And we didn't tell them it was her birthday, thank God. No. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Darren. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when you walk into this place, it's... 
They yell at you in Japanese, which is the greeting for hello customer. Yes. And it's very loud. It was very warm. It's the middle of winter kind of thing. So mm. the place is already kind of warm. And it's just wall-to-wall people already. And we walked in an hour after they opened. Yeah. And they have a website and you can do reservations online. I highly recommend you do the reservation so you don't have to wait for a table. Usually we don't do places that where you require a reservation, but there is so many people going there, you mm-hmm. definitely want to consider doing that. And we were there for about an hour and a half, and when we walked out, there was a huge lineup to get in. So yeah. I really recommend the reservation. So yeah, we walked in, they yelled at us, they sat us, um, came by, took a drink order, the sake. We didn't even have sake tonight, but we had it at the festival, so we should talk about it a little bit. Yeah, we had the, well, the official goo sake, which is from Fukushima. And when we had it at the Gourmet Food and Wine Expo, there was, I don't know where they found this chick. She was some really pretty blonde haired blue-eyed girl. In a kimono. In a kimono. She rocked that kimono. She totally <laughs> rocked the kimono. And she's like, yes, this is the goo sake. It's made for goo in Fukushima. And then she looked at us as almost as if she was daring us to make some sort of comment about radiation. We did not fall for this trap because we are sensitive people. And we were too drunk to pick up on it too, at least for my case. I oh, was, I totally saw. She I was, was too like, busy at that point. It's from Fukushima. Dramatic glare. I, I saw the dramatic glare and I didn't understand. I was just like, awesome, they import the sake from Japan. That's fantastic. It's made for them. <laughs> so the way I look at it, something eventually is going to get you. So yeah, I said, come pie and drank it down. <laughs> and it was fantastic. The stuff we had at, at, um, at the, the expo. They have a huge sake menu. You can do a flight of sake. It was $11. You can pick three things off their tasting menu. Really good idea. We didn't do that this evening. I'd imagine I was we'll stuck on beer. I just yeah. couldn't help myself. Well, they have Sapporo on draft. You can't find that everywhere. And Sapporo on draft is amazing. Beer tap handle is a little samurai sword. Yes. It's a katana handle, so. Besides being brewed by dragons, the tap handle's a katana. You can't go wrong. Which exactly. will link up to the brewed by dragons thing, so you guys get that as well. Also, they do it in three sizes. Pitchers small glasses and large glasses they call it the big mug the big mug in the so big of mug course when you leader. say what would you like we'll take the big mug yes yes so that right there is fantastic but um you're, you're gonna order it kind of tapas style you're gonna get a bunch of little dishes if you've ever been to dim sum it's a little bit like dim sum imagine if dim sum this. was happening in a bar yes but instead of chinese appetizers and little foods you're going to be looking at japanese ones yes and if you remember our izakai episode from oi shimbo there's all kinds of crazy like little grilled treats they didn't actually have any entrails but they did have tongue yes now the, the prices run between like four something all the way up to about eight to nine dollars a dish they had a special menu that had some stuff that was a little bit more the sizes are enough for about three people to get a decent sample off of easily i think all three of us had our fill of everything that we wanted yeah. to try kind of thing. If so I went with more people, we'd want to double up on ordering dishes. Yes, and we'd probably get a few more appetizers, get a big basket of edamame, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we started out with some fantastic uh, calamari. Yeah, it was um, Ika is squid, mm-hmm. and I know that it was Ika something, I can't remember what it was, but it had like a spicy ketchup, and then it was also breaded and deep fried. And it had um, wasabi mayonnaise on it, which I hate yes. mayonnaise with a passion. It is like my arch nemesis of condiments. But I love wasabi mayonnaise. It's really good. It, the the calamari wasn't chewy. It wasn't um, gummy. It wasn't rubbery at all. Yeah. It was perfectly done. Yeah, and that's hard and, to do. And the waiter said, you know, if you're trying to figure out what you want, do you guys like calamari? We said yes. He's like, okay, cool. I'll put this order in for you, and then you can eat that while you're deciding what else you'd like. <laughs> We're so easy to sell to when it's food. <laughs> like, just binding. it. sure, bring it out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had that. We had a... Um, a salad dish. Let me get the exact name of this here. 
Um, obviously, we could just fill this in with editing, but instead, I'm just going to continue to talk through it. That's fine. You never know when something brilliant is going to come out. It was the uh, the Gyu, Gia Shabu salad, Shabu Shabu beef on greens with black sesame dressing. It was delicious. Dear God, I could just eat a bowl of that. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're a salad person and you like really good beef, just get one of those bowls for yourself if you're not sure about anything else on the menu. Shabu Shabu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Um, beyond that, we had um, octopus balls. Those were amazing. I don't even know how to describe it. It's, um... Okay, so the octopus balls, they were almost like if you've had... Like a crab cake, almost. A smoother crab cake texture. Yeah, it was like, it was... The octopus was blended into, like... This is gonna sound gross, but, like, a creamy kind of mousse. And then it was deep-fried. So when you bit into it, you bit through this crust of this golden, delicious, deep-fried exterior. And you were immediately met with a very soft, velvety... Slightly octopus-flavored, if I, you like octopus. I've never heard octopus described as velvety before. But it was blended, so it was. Yeah. I can honestly say they were the best balls I've ever had in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Those were some tasty balls. They were some fantastic balls. But it had just, yeah, it was a really neat texture, really and good. And when you're drinking, you love deep-fried things, so mm -hmm. I mean... I could have eaten like an entire gallon of those things. Yeah. And there was a, uh, a special on the menu. It was like one of the written hand handwritten menus. And it was um, the stewed beef and carrots and potato done Japanese style. Oh, yes. It was just like some kind of crazy shaved beef stew. It was awesome. And I ordered it because I remembered from the Oishimbo, they were talking about how they carefully simmered the potatoes mm -hmm. so they wouldn't have an earthy flavor. It wouldn't taste like dirt. Yeah. And I don't know if Japanese taste buds are just particularly sensitive or if they have a different terroir in Japan where when they grow potatoes, they taste very, very earthy. It could even be potato strains in Japan have evolved or changed because the potato is a new world food. True. So. But it also might be an island thing. True. Because if you ever have yams that are grown in Jamaica, they taste very, very earthy. Yeah. You can actually almost taste the dirt that they're grown in. I wonder if it has something to do with the volcanic ash component in most of the island soil when it's pulling more minerals and things into it. That too. could very well That's be. That's a possibility. Or but we could just were... be full of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was delicious either way. It was so amazing. Care. North American potatoes, all good. Probably PEI potatoes. Who knows? Probably. Um, we had, what was the chicken dish that we had? It was just karage. like a karage. It's almost like triple fried chicken. So they take these pieces of chicken, they dust them. It sounds them. so healthy that way. I know. They take chicken pieces and they dust them with flour and then they fry it and then they take it out. They let it cool and drain and then they bread it again and then they fry it. And they usually do that at least three times. So you end up with this really dry, really tasty crust, and it really seals in the moisture into the chicken. It was. It was super crispy. It was so crispy, it made KFC look soggy, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the mayonnaise they had on the side with it, I can't believe I said I, I'm saying I, know. I liked it. Say I know. It. It's okay. Embrace I like the mayonnaise that came with it. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's because it was probably Identity homemade crisis. mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. Or they're just laughing their butts off that they were listening to this. They're like, yeah, that comes out of a jar. Dumb or, American well, bitch. Or it was flavored with something that it, yeah. made it, it was altered so that it didn't taste so greasy mm -hmm. compared to like Hellman's. Or it was actually homemade mm -hmm. and yeah. it was more of a mustardy base with the oil and eggs as opposed to something that came out of a jar. Yeah. And we had a, one of the udon noodle dishes with just some beef on it. Really, really good. Really if, you, good. if you're into udon noodles, you'll love it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is something where you could order that in an appetizer, and that's definitely enough for one person. Um, the, the beef stew dish probably would need something else with it to be a meal for one person. The salad is almost a meal in and of itself. It was pretty hearty. And then we had the, uh, the cheese. 
It's so weird. Oh. This is on a Japanese menu too. But it's a deep fried brie, and it was amazing. Yes. We have to be able to replicate this. I'm going to go home and like start searching the internet for recipes for it. And it was not tempura. It did not have a tempura batter no. on it, but it was done with the Japanese breadcrumbs. It bread did crumbs. have Japanese yeah. like panko breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. it, it was, was amazing. Five wedges, so it was pretty much almost a whole wheel of, of small wheel of brie mm -hmm. that was um, heavily breaded in panko breadcrumbs, deep fried, nice and ooey gooey in the middle, rind still on. Correct. And then there was also this, it was half mango Extreme. and also half blueberry oh, berry wildberry berry wildberry yeah simple sauce. syrup mm -hmm. at the bottom to dip it into so there was like a creek of of delicious sauce that these mm. things were resting on they came out kind of nuclear hot we let that stuff cool sit down. for a bit <laughs> but oh my god that was good and that's something you we can probably pull off at home or most people with a deep fryer and some panko breadcrumbs can pull off at home but that's a really good idea if you like baked brie you would love something like this yes oh we have to talk about the um the um the flakes on the octopus balls Oh yeah, this is so cool. <laughs> Going back to the best balls that Jane's ever had in her mouth. Yes. On top of it, so the octopus balls were just kind of sitting in this bowl, and it had a sauce and mayonnaise and, and stuff mayonnaise on it. Yeah. There's like a squiggle of mayonnaise, and then also it had uh, shaved bonito flakes on top of it. So bonito is actually it's I can't remember if it's yellowfin or skipjack tuna, and then they take it and they smoke it and dry it. And then it ends up hard as, it's hard as a block of wood. You actually have to shave it like with a... Um, There's a special grade like that a, Almost they like have. a plane, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it almost looks like a plane it, it where does. you're just shaving off little It's a fish plane, of you know? And if your door's uneven, you can fix your, fix your door with your fish plane. Who knows? That's yeah. so expensive. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, true. But it had this shaved bonito flakes on it, and it was amazing. Well, the bonito flakes, though, it was really cool when it came out because it was so hot, and the bonito flakes were so delicate. They were waving in the heat. They were trembling. Yeah. And it just it kept moving on its own, and we just looked, all looked at it like that's so cool. I think so Jane even cool said it's not alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not lobster sashimi. You're safe. It was moving all over. Totally dead, but really like a neat visual effect, too. I don't think any of us were expecting. I'm not one who's really into the presentation of food, but that was something that was really cool to see. It's like, wow, this is so hot, and those are so delicate, they move. Yeah, and they're the, flapping in the breeze, they, literally. Literally, yeah, the breeze of the heat coming off the octopus balls. And the last dish we ordered was the, um, the tongue. Beef tongue. Beef tongue. Which I thought to myself, if I'm going to order any sort of organ meat anywhere, I'm going to order it here because at least they know how to prepare yeah. it correctly and it's going to be delicious. And tongue isn't really that much of an organ meat, but it's a very mm. tough muscle. So it's yes. one that's very hard to cook and they did it right. They had it very, very thinly shaved. Uh, they fried it probably hot and fast, which is why it had the texture that it did that you could chew it. Mm. Well seasoned, probably marinated, and it was just uh, topped with bean sprouts and green onion. Mm. And it was served on a little cast iron like dish, kind of like a fajita thing. Almost. <laughs> I almost thought of the whenever you go to like TGI Fridays yeah. or Texas Roadhouse, and they have the, the fajita, fajita dish. It comes out. Yeah. Yeah. You hear it sizzling as it's going by. So this yeah. was weird, the Japanese izakaya version of. Uh, of fajita meat, but it was, but it was really, really good. Tongue. But you had to do it with the um, sprouts and a little bit of the green onion in it when you ate it. You needed those those three textures and those the two uh, flavor combinations. The sprouts don't really have a flavor, but the green yeah. onion mixing with what they had seasoned the beef with was a really neat combination. So I can't believe I'm saying it. I like tongue. Who knew? As long as it's prepared properly, it's great. Well, I'm so anti-weird in organ meat. I didn't even think I'd like it, but I gave it a shot. So. I was actually waiting for them to have little skewers of organ meat hanging yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you know? So overall, Goo gets um, many, many hearty thumbs up, I think, from both of us. Can't wait to check it out again. Can't wait to go check out the one on Bloor Street as well. 
They have a totally different menu, by the way. They're Ooh. two different restaurants. And Goo, is, it started on the West Coast, and it came out East. So maybe someday if we make it up to Vancouver, I'd like to check out one of the original ones there, too. That would be awesome. So, so we will try to do some more regular episodes. Sheila finishes school this spring, so hopefully we'll be able to... I'll be to, graduating. So. Yes. Graduated and all educated and stuff. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to hop back in the saddle and get this thing going on a monthly basis again. We've seen so many neat new places open in Oshawa alone that we want to check out, let alone exploring Toronto more, making it to some more beer festivals, doing some more exploration in Ontario, period. Um, we have a tentative trip to Boston planned this summer that we really want to check out some Boston cuisine, I think. Maybe do an episode on that. So yeah. cross your fingers that we're back for good. This is Tracy. And this is Sheila. And we're his wife at Chicks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this Vive Fat Chicks podcast. Please add us as a friend on MySpace and or Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can email us at zweifatchicks at gmail.com. That's Z-W-E-I-F-A-T-C-H-I-C-K-S at gmail.com. Our theme music is Hot Swing by Kevin McLeod, and we hope that you have a great day.